a great weekend, and um, if you're a guest here with us, we want to say just a special welcome to you. So glad that you're here with us today, and um, really just pray that uh, God um, comes and, and really moves in our midst. Uh, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to continue on. We've been in a series taking us through the New Testament book of John, and uh, the series is called Crux, and we're, we're really getting to the core of different matters that Jesus uh, particularly talked about. And today we come to John chapter 14, and um, I just want to give you a heads up. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. Um, this is some phenomenal news that uh, our Lord uh, gave us in His Word today. And so what I want to do even before we jump in is just to go to him and uh, just a, a short word of prayer and uh, just ask the Lord, Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, thank you that you brought us to this place, and, and now, Lord, would you, would you have a word for us, and, and would you lead us today? So would you pray with me, and then uh, we'll go ahead and start. Heavenly Father, um, thank you uh, for the fact that we can come here together and worship you this morning, and um, Lord, we just want to proclaim uh, just with joyful hearts, Lord, that you are good, um, or that you are worthy of our honor and worthy of our praise. And, and Lord, today we want to pray that you would lead us. Um, these next few moments that we've got together, Lord, we pray that your word would come alive to us and that you would teach us. Um, Lord, we pray that you would move in our hearts. And so um, even right now, um, would you just say a prayer to the Lord, and would you just say, Lord, Lord, I'm open to you today, and um, I might bring this and that with me today and experiences I've had this week but in this moment, I want to say, Lord, I'm open to you, and I pray, Lord, that you would teach me. So would you have that kind of a conversation right now, just on your own with the Lord? Lord, we love you, and we trust you, and uh, Lord, we thank you that you know every single person here, and uh, Lord, we're honored to be in your presence. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I, I think there's, um, there's no doubt about it uh, that all of us here today, we love to get good news, right? Uh, we love it when good news comes our way. Um, sometimes if you're going through a trial, you love to get good news. Other times, well, you don't need to be going through a trial, do you? If, if you're getting good news, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, if someone approached you and they said, hey, I've got some good news to tell you. I, I've been waiting to tell you this. and I've got something. You, you're going to love this. I, I've got to tell you this. You wouldn't say to that person, oh, oh great. I, actually, hang on. I'm, I'm a little busy. Let me get back to you. You wouldn't say that. You'd say, what? Well, what is it? I, you, you'd want to receive it right then. We, we love to get good news. When you get good news, it, it changes things for you lots of times. It, it kind of renews your perspective in a lot of ways. It gives you a, an outlook, you could say, that's, that's renewed, it's refreshed. I know a gal that has been trying to get into med school for a long time, and she's been studying hard, just working her tail off, and she got some test results back the last couple of weeks, and, and her test basically told her that her score now is high enough that she's going to be able to get into the medical schools that she would love to apply for. It's good news, right? It's changed her whole perspective. Some friends of ours, they were recently had one of their children in the hospital, and for days they got news that was bad. They got scary news, hard news, news that drove them to tears. But then the doctors began to say good things. They began to get good news. And, and their tears of pain turned into a lot of joy. Um, uncertainty turned into rejoicing for them. No doubt some of you here today, you are facing some significant challenges. And today you would say, I would love to get good news. It's long awaited. You would say, I would love to hear good news. And you know exactly what that good news would be. You can, you can just say it to yourself. You know exactly what you would just love to hear. It might be a situation at work. It's just become stressful for you. Uh, it might be something at school even. 
Or maybe it's a strained relationship that just needs a God-sized um, you know, intervention. And you're saying, wow, oh, I'd just love for that to change. I'd love to hear that things are different on that. Or maybe for you it's on the health front. And you're facing some significant challenges, but you just love to hear a different report back. You'd love to hear good news. But the truth is, and we all know this, that there are times when, there are times when good news comes very quickly. But then there are times when good news doesn't come so quickly, and it becomes long-awaited. There are times when our present circumstances change, and then there are other times when they stay the same. They just don't change. And Jesus made a very telling statement. I think we can all relate to this. In John chapter 16, I think we can all relate to this. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, he said, I have overcome the world. In other words, in this world, things are going to be tough. You're going to hit some bumps, and some of those bumps are going to be small, but other ones are going to be huge, and you're going to look at those, and you're going to go, I don't know how I can do that. I don't think I can overcome that. It's too big. But Jesus says this. He says, hey, take heart, meaning have hope, meaning have courage, meaning find perseverance, find peace, because I have overcome this place and the trials that it presents. That's good news. Jesus was saying, I have done and I am doing something in you and something around you that is not only going to affect you today, but I am doing something that will affect your entire future, your entire outlook. This morning, we're going to look at some of that good news from John chapter 14. And in this passage, Jesus gets to the crux or he gets to the, he gets to the core of the matter as it relates to what happens after you die, particularly where you will be. And this subject, it is, it is critical because the reality of what happens as you die, as you know, it impacts not only all of eternity, but it also impacts every day. It impacts today. It impacts how we live, doesn't it? I'm going to ask you two questions this morning, and I just want to, uh, we'll unpack them as we go, but let me just give them to you on the front end. Here they are. Number one, are you confident that Jesus is preparing a place for you? And you think about after death. Number two, do you know the way to the place that he's preparing for you? I heard a story about this lady who was well along in years, and she asked to meet with her pastor, and, and so they, were, they got together, and she said to him, she said, Pastor, I just, there's one thing that I, I want after I, after I die. She said, when I'm laid in my casket, she said, if you could just make sure that as I'm lying there, you just picture this, she said, as I'm lying there, I want you to make sure they put a fork in my hand. And, you know, they were talking about that, and she said, you know what I've loved? She said, over the years, I've loved it when we've all been together for these big meals. They're some of my, my favorite memories. But at the end of the meal, as the plates are being picked up, someone will always say, hey, save your fork. And what they're saying is that there's something sweet coming. There's the, the best part is about to happen. Let me ask you, do you think it's okay to presume that on God? Do you think it's okay to presume that the best part is about to come? Do you think it's okay for us to be that confident in that? Let's dive into this text, but let me first, let me describe the situation to you. It's in John chapter 13. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, I am going away. Jesus is saying, I am going to leave you. Now, now to us, that's good news because we know the whole story. And so, so to us, we go, oh, Jesus went away. Yeah, that was, that's great news for us because that means Jesus went to the cross and then that means Jesus was put in the tomb and he was raised to life. He proved that he was God. And that means that our sins are forgiven and wow, we don't need to live in the bondage of shame and guilt and everything else that we had at one point. That's great news for us. To us, his departure was awesome. It has changed our lives, many of you. It means everything to us. But it wasn't good news to them. 
It wasn't good news to Jesus' followers in that moment. In John chapter 13, verse 1, it says that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And this is, this is really the scene. Jesus is he's at this last meal with his disciples, with those who he loved and who dearly love him. And if you were to describe what it's been like for these disciples these last few days that they've had with Jesus, to say the least, you could say it's been an emotional roller coaster. Just days before Jesus says this to them, just days before this, Jesus has rode into Jerusalem and the crowd of people has gathered around Jesus. I mean, picture this. A crowd of people gathered around him. They worshiped him, right? They said, Hosanna, which means save us now. They cried that out to him. And so there's people that are excited. There's a buzz in the air. And what they're thinking is, Jesus is here. Oh, this is great that Jesus is here because Jesus is going to be our, our political and our military leader. Jesus is going to make things different for us, finally. There was a buzz about him. Great expectation. And yet now these same followers, this big crowd of people, but not only the big crowd, those who are closest to him, those who have grown accustomed to his company, those who have loved being with him, they're now hearing straight from the words of his mouth, they're, they're straight, straight from his mouth, they're hearing him say things like, I'm, I'm leaving. In John chapter 13, verse 33 Jesus says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, to add to the drama of the moment, these disciples find out at this meal, as Jesus is talking to them, they find out that one of their very own is going to betray Jesus. One of their own crew is going to, to be a leader in having a part to take Jesus out. That, that would hurt, wouldn't it? One of their closest people. And in the midst of all of this disheartening news, Peter, who's oftentimes the bold one, he speaks up in, in verse 36. But by this time in the conversation, Jesus has left the subject of, I'm moving on, I'm, I'm going to leave you. And, and Jesus is now talking about, hey, if you want to be recognized as my disciples, he says, this is how you can do it. You can, just, you can love one another. But Peter isn't ready to move on. He's still back with, I'm leaving you. Then, He's not ready to move on. He's thinking, I, I want to talk more about this. So look with me at John 13, verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, and I think you can just imagine that Jesus said this with a lot of love. Where I am going, Peter, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Still not satisfied, Peter asked, verse 37, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. I mean, he's saying this. Come on, Lord. Lord, you know me. You know how I'm wired. Lord, you know I'll be with you till the end. I'll lay down my life for you. Verse 38. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me, Peter? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, Peter, before sunrise, you will disown me three times. Peter, you might have great intentions. Peter, you might be bold. But Peter, the reality is before the, the, before the sun rises, you're going to disown me. Peter, when push comes to shove, you're going to crack. You might think that you, you've got it all together, but Peter, i got to tell you, you, and I just bet he put his hand on his shoulder, Peter, you, Peter, even you are going to disown me. How would you describe what would be going on in the heart of Peter in that moment? 
Think about what it would be like to be one of Jesus' closest followers up there in that, at, in that room having that meal. No doubt the, the whole group, if we were to put ourselves in their shoes, no doubt the whole group is anxious about Jesus leaving. They're not happy about the situation. It says even there that, that Jesus, the one who's leading the meeting, it says that he is troubled. We see that two times in the text. And so we know that his disciples are probably picking up on that. Jesus, wow, what's, what's wrong? Peter's fired up. Lord, you can't go, but if you go, I'll lay down my life for you. But there's also a lot of confusion at this deal. Judas, who's been with them all along, who's seen Jesus, he said to betray Jesus. And now Peter, the one that's, you know, saying, oh, come on, Lord, I'll be with you at all times. He's saying, no, no, three times before the rooster crows, Peter, you're, you're going to disown me. How would that have felt? To say the least, this meal with Jesus has gone south. And to this point, I would say, for them, it was horrible. It was horrible. It was filled with anxiety. It was filled with uncertainty. Let me ask you, have you ever been completely blindsided by a tough situation, by bad news? You know, you're kind of going through your week, and all of a sudden you get a call, or you look at an email, and you're just like, get a report back, whatever it is, and it's just that helpless feeling. That's how I bet it was was like for them. Yet in the midst of it all, look with me at Jesus' response in John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus says, in the midst of all of that turmoil, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be troubled. It's going to be okay, is what Jesus is saying. Jesus understood what it meant to be troubled. Two times it's described him that way already, right before this, where he's, he's troubled in his spirit. Why was he troubled? And think about it. He was about to be disowned. Jesus was about to be disgraced. Jesus was about to be shamed. He was about to be insulted. He was about to be beaten. He was about to be crucified. He was about to go down this path to the cross that Jesus did not want it to go down. There's no doubt about it. His heart, too, is feeling, feeling crushed. And yet, instead of laying into Peter, Peter, how could you disown me? He says to Peter, Peter, I, just, I bet he called him Petey sometimes, you know? Pete, <laughs> it's going to be all right. You might know this to be true. You might have had this experience. As hard as hard times are, sometimes you'll be going through something and someone that you really love or someone that you really care about, they'll just come alongside you and they'll give you a word of truth, give you a word of encouragement. And it's because of what you think of them that their, their words just, man, they just hit you. They, they impact you in a great way. I think Jesus is having a heart-to-heart with Peter and these guys at this point. And I think he would even look at us this morning and he would say this to us, wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, he would say, don't worry. You're facing a trial, he'd say, don't worry, I'm here for you. He would say, I'm going to get you through this. You got that anxiety, he or she's doing that, you're worried about your kid, whatever it is, he would say, I'm with you. Don't, Don't worry, don't let your heart be troubled. There is something greater that is happening here and and I want to tell you about that. And what really grabs me, actually, though, about this part of the text is what Jesus doesn't say to Peter. Because Peter, or I think Peter kind of has it coming here. And I, Jesus could have said to Peter, Peter, I, I can't believe, one, that you would say you won't do that when you're going to do it, and I know you're going to disown me. I think Jesus could have really laid into Peter. Could have put the wood on him right there. But he doesn't. It's refreshing. Instead of saying, hey, disciples, I'm about to leave. It's time to step up. Play your A game, will you? I'm leaving. 
Instead of that, he doesn't do it at all. And the reason why it's refreshing to me is because as I think about myself in my own life, I think I would have done the exact same things that they did. So when rather than laying the wood to them, Jesus does this. He has a talk with them about eternity. Peter, don't let your heart be troubled. Peter, I'm about to go to the cross for the small things that you've done in life that haven't been right and the big things and the things that you haven't even done yet. I'm about to go to the cross, Peter, for you. But Peter, I want you to know there's even something bigger than your mistakes here at hand. Peter, I want to talk to you about a place that I'm preparing for you. But before he talks about that, Jesus takes kind of a time out, I think, and he reminds him of who he is. He reminds us of who he is. Look with me at the second part of verse 1. John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, you believe or you trust in God. And then it says, believe also in me. And what Jesus is doing is he's, he's reminding his listeners that, yes, though he came in the form of a man, though he lived um, with people, and just like you, know, you and I, he interacted just like a normal person. He had a job, all those sorts of things. He's saying, I, I, I want to remind you of who I am. I want to remind you that I'm fully God, perfect. The Apostle Paul, he put it like this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He said, the Son, meaning Jesus he was talking about, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Get this picture. He's the firstborn over all creation. From him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He said, I want you to take time. I want you to remember who I am. And then after that, after he sets that up, look with me at verse 2. Now, this is the good news. And good news is good anytime, but isn't it really good when you're going through a trial? That's what these people were facing. And John, yeah, look with me at verse, verse 2, chapter 14. In my house, Jesus said, in my house, and he's talking about heaven, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. While Jesus is about to leave them, he's He's saying, I'm, I'm doing something on your behalf that's much greater than you can imagine. I mean, don't get this this morning. I mean, Jesus, the, the, the one, the, the, the creator of the universe, he is preparing a place for you. I mean, just say your name, your name, and he's preparing a place for me. I mean, imagine that. He says that to you. And when your heart takes its last beat, every single person, regardless of our beliefs, every single person will stand before our creator, will stand before our living God, and get this, though, that creator God says, I am, I've been and I am, I'm preparing a place for you. I think as, particularly as Christians, if you're a follower of Christ, I think we think a lot about the cross, and rightly so. It's the, it's the crux, it's the core of our faith. But I wonder if we sometimes don't think enough about what happens after we die. I wonder if oftentimes we don't think enough about this place that Jesus says, I have prepared for you. Imagine for a second that there was a, just an imaginary line that was, that was strung all the way from that wall all the way across over to the, uh, the far wall, right? A lot of feet there. And imagine clear at that end, there's just this one little bitty mark, one little mark, and that represents your life. Very small, clear at the very end, right up next to the wall. Now think about this for a second. Your life here on earth would be that, just a fraction. But what Jesus is saying is this, I am preparing for you a place a place that you will exist in for all of eternity. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's huge. He's preparing that place for you. Our three kids are blessed to have some incredible grandparents. Um, about two years ago, our 
kids were pretty excited, and they said to us, they said, Mom and Dad, they said, Grandpa said he's going to build us a treehouse. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And in my mind, immediately, I don't know what you're thinking right now, but my mind went back to my treehouse growing up. And I remember this thing. It was in this tall oak tree. It was in, over at the neighbor's house, and, and we had a blast up in this thing. Um, but as I thought about it, I thought, okay, I wonder what this treehouse Grandpa's going to build is going to be like compared to the treehouse that, that we had. And and I remembered a lot of details about this treehouse because we just took two-by-fours and, you know, we cut them in half, just small little things. We nailed them to the tree, and those were the stairs. It was nothing special, right? And, and some of them were missing, and so you had to just find a knot in the wood and a big, big leap to get up. And, and this thing was really hard to get into. I remember that. And, and it wasn't very safe um, at all. Um, there were times where you're just like, wow, don't sit in that corner or you're gone, you know? Don't do that. There's cracks in it all. It was just it was kind of a mess. But it, it was a lot of fun. And so I began to think, well, what's this treehouse going to be like that Grandpa's going to make? And, and, then, it, and then it dawned on me. Um, my dad loves his grandchildren much more than he ever loves, loved me or my brother. <laughs> and so I began to wonder if this treehouse might be a little bit different. And, and so I began to interact with my dad a little bit throughout the course of the months. And, and he would oftentimes say to me, say, yeah, I'm just out working on the treehouse today. And I kept thinking to myself, man, we built our treehouse in an afternoon. And I mean, it was leftover wood, right? I mean, there were nails from an, like an old project, and, and we got up there, we're putting it together, and, and it just kind of was what it was, and it was fun, and we had a rope swing, a kid fell off it, hit the ground, I mean, I'd never forget it, you know? And I'm thinking, what's taking so long, Dad? And so, you know, you know, time went on, and I remember talking to my mom one time, and she said, yeah, your dad, he drove a separate car because he was going to bring the trailer and pick up some more wood for the, the treehouse, and I'm thinking, new wood? Like... <laughs> Like, why wouldn't he just use the scrap wood? I don't understand. I mean, we, we didn't have any new wood, you know, or new nails or any of that, any of that kind of stuff. And, and then again, I thought, where's the love at? I know where it is, yeah. And, and so then, you know, more time goes on, and I'm interacting with my dad more. And I'm thinking, man, this, this is going to be okay. And then, and then we got this picture. Check, check this out. Yeah, now that, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, that, you should see the view. You get up there, you can see the whole lake. I mean, this thing is, this thing is awesome, right? I mean, and, and here's the deal. Our treehouse growing up, you had to pretty much, if you were smart, you tied a rope on yourself before you went up just in case you fell down. Enter at your own risk, that kind of thing. This thing, a, any two-year-old is totally fine the top level of that. They can crawl around. They can do whatever they want. No injuries, right? Now, here's the deal. The reason why my dad spent all of this time, all of these resources into this treehouse, house, house, I think, is because he loves the ones that he longs to see play in it. I mean, he prepared this thing. He loved every second of it. Don't miss this this morning. Jesus Christ prepares a place for you. And get this, he's been preparing it for a long time, and you're going to be there for a long time. And this place is amazing, and here's the deal. He prepares it for you because he loves you with a kind of love that's perfect. It's greater than any love. You can't comprehend it so great. Yet Jesus was very clear about the, the dot, the, the short time we have here. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. He said, but take heart. He said, Don't let your heart be troubled. He said, I am preparing a place for you. Look at me at verse 3. Let's keep going. He says, and if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you with me that you also may be where I am. 
And just think about that. Let that land with you. The creator of the universe is preparing a place for you. He's going to dwell there. Imagine that. The holy, almighty God will be with him. It's amazing. Think about that for a second. If you look back at the book of Genesis and you look at the, the detail of the, the Garden of Eden, right? And you, you think about that place. And, and it says in the scripture that the Garden of Eden was pleasing to the eye, meaning it was, it was breathtaking. I mean, you and I would go there and we'd be like, whoa, this place is incredible. How long did Jesus take to make the Garden of Eden? Six days. Think about this. He's had thousands of years to prepare a place for you. What do you think it's going to be like? It's going to be unbelievable. There's enough description in the, in the scriptures to give us um, some pretty good ideas about what heaven's going to be like. And I'll tell you this, it's going to be impressive beyond anything you can, you can think of. I love the things that it's going to be free from, even as I just look around the room. It's going to be free from suffering. Heaven's going to be free of pain. Heaven is going to be free of severed relationships. You know, severed relationship, you know the, the pain it causes you. It won't be that, that way in heaven. There'll be none of it. There'll be no illness. There'll be no aging. I just not. It's going to be amazing. And Jesus is saying to them, what you're going through, heaven, it's worth everything you're going through. And he's saying, I'm not though just going to leave you stranded during this time when there will be trouble. He says, no, no, I'm going to love you right through that. But I want you to know, I want you to keep in the back of your mind, I'm preparing something for you, and it's going to be incredible. I think Jesus is having a heart-to-heart conversation with Peter here. And I think what he's saying to him is, you know, Peter, you know what I'm about to face. I'm about to face the cross. And Peter, I just want you to know what's getting me through, what's keeping me committed to the path, is that I know what's on the other side. I know what's on the other side. And so, Peter, you can have confidence in the fact that it's not about you, Peter. It's not about your courage and can you do it and can you muster it up. It's not about you, Peter. You can have courage and confidence in the fact that it's me, that I'm the one who's preparing a place for you. It's about me, Peter. You focus, focus right here. Look with me at verse 4. Jesus says, you know the way to the place where I am going. In other words, he's saying, you've got nothing to worry about. Think about having, you've got nothing to worry about. Our three-year-old is going through, his name's Easton. Our three-year-old is going through a phase right now. And I, I call it a phase because I'm hoping it's going to pass soon. But he's going through a, a phase where every time I leave the house, even at a word of me leaving the house, this kid has a meltdown. Now, it, it's, it's sort of flattering at first, but it's, yeah. And... Here's kind of what it looks like, though. So every day when I go to leave, uh, he starts crying. You know, he sees, okay, he's grabbing his bag and he's getting ready to go. And, and so he just stands by my side and just cries. And so I pick him up and I take him downstairs. And this is kind of the, the ritual we're in now. I give him a hug. And he gives me a kiss. And I just love this little guy. And he says, Dad, just one more hug, just one more kiss. And he's just, he's just sobbing, you know. It's like, good night. I'm not that special. Ask your, ask your mom, you know. And so, but he just keeps doing it. And so we kind of go back and forth, and I give him another hug, and then I give him another kiss. And then, and then I try to shut my car door, but he, he's strong enough now. He can open it. He's three, you know, but he's in his footy pajamas. It's just, it's just it's quite a mess. 
But he just kind of goes back and forth. And finally, I start the car engine. That scares him. So he moves away from the car a little bit. I put it in reverse. And here's what he does then. He stands right there underneath the garage door. He stands there and he just screams as loud as he can. You know, I'm thinking the neighbors are probably like, oh, it's the pastor's house again. You know, whatever. I don't know. But here's the deal. And I'm thinking, this is quite a gift I give Christina every day when I leave, you know. But Easton does not understand where I'm going. And I try to tell him, I say, buddy, do you, do you want to keep eating? Do you want to have food on the table? Okay, I got to go. But he, he doesn't get that, right? He doesn't understand where I'm going, and he doesn't understand when I'll be back. Look with me at verse 5. Thomas speaks up in this whole matter, and Thomas says what everyone else is thinking. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Let me ask you the second question for this morning. Do you know the way to the place that the Lord is preparing for you? Verse 6, Jesus answered this question that this whole group would have had. He says, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now notice that Jesus didn't say, you are the way. You guys are the way. You guys, I'm leaving. You can do it. He didn't say that. Notice that he didn't say, I am a way. There's lots of ways. I'm one of them. He didn't say that. Notice he also didn't say, I can point you to the way. There is a way and I do care about you. Let me, let me help you. Let me point you to the right way. He didn't say any of that. Instead, he said, I am the way. And then he said, I'm, I'm the truth. Meaning that there, there's one truth. And he was, he was and this might, this might rub against the grain, but he was saying, I am the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And what was true about Jesus is Jesus didn't want any of his listeners to not fully realize that there is an eternal death on the other side. There's eternal life in Christ, but there's also eternal death. And he didn't want to beat around the bush on that. There is a reality of hell that is completely real. Completely real. But Jesus says, no, no, I, I've come to offer you. I've come to offer you life. He's saying, I've come to rescue you from eternal death. I've come to give you eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you don't have to fear death. Guys, you don't, need to be, you don't need to be anxious. You don't need to be all worried about what's going to happen because I've got a place for you. I love it. I'm going to come back then and I'm going to take you with me. And you're going to know the way and I'm going to, I'm going to take you there with me. I'm a pretty visual learner and I tried to imagine really what, what was happening in this passage and, and how basic this truth is of, of what Jesus is trying to communicate. So I just want you to, to imagine this for a second. Imagine that you're kind of hiking through a forest and, and you're having a you know, good time, but you, you're, it's really a, it's, it's a, hilly, it's a hilly area. And, and you stay away from this. You notice that there's a pretty steep ravine um, to your left. And so you, you stay a good distance away from it, but the views are great, so you're kind of right there. But as you walk along, you hear someone and they say, you hear them crying out for help. Help, I'm down here. I can hear someone up there. Help. And so you do what any, any person would do. You walk over and, and you can see them. They're not like hundreds and hundreds of feet down there. They're, they're rescuable, they're, but they're a ways down, and there's no way that if you join them, you would just be in trouble, so you don't do that. And so you say, you know what, I'll, I'll go, I'm going to go get help, okay? I'll be back. I'm going to go get help. And so you go, and you come back, and, and you give them a rope, right? You, you throw down the rope to them. Now imagine this. Imagine this happens. So now they've, they've got a rope, and they're looking at this rope, and there's really two options here, and you wouldn't even have to, you wouldn't, think that you would need to rustle through two options, but you really, you really do. 
Imagine if the person, most people, would, would do this. They would say, oh, you, you gave me a rope. Thank you. And, and you can still see the person. So most people would tie this around their waist, right, or tie it around their shoulders. And, and they would say, okay, take, yeah, get me out of here. Pull me up. Pull me up. Now, imagine this happens, though. Imagine you throw down the rope, and you say to the guy, can you see the rope? Rope, rope, rope. He says, yeah, I can see it. And so you wait, and, but you're watching him. You, you notice, and you look at the other guys that they're helping out, and like, why isn't, he, why isn't he doing anything with the rope? Hey, do you see the rope? Yeah, I see the rope. Do you know what to do with the rope? Tie, tie, yeah, I know what to do with it. If I tie it around myself up here, you guys could pull me out, right? Yeah, that's right. Go ahead and do it. So you wait, though, and you notice you're just kind of looking at the rope, not, not doing anything, not grabbing the rope. Now, you would think of that person, you would think, man, you're nuts. Why won't you just grab the rope? The rope is this. The rope is your way out. Why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you just grab the rope? But here's the truth. Just knowing that the rope is available, it doesn't get you out of the hole, does it? Just knowing that, wow, there, there's a way out. I can grab the rope. I can get pulled up, right? It, it, it doesn't, doesn't help you out unless you actually grab the rope. You have, to, you have to do something. Jesus did this. In John chapter 5, Jesus, I think, gave a, a summary statement for the book of John. He said this, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word, whoever knows, whoever knows that there's a rope, who, whoever hears my word, and then he said this, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. <laughs> he is crossed over from death to life. Believing is doing this. When you believe, what you do is this, you grab the rope. I mean, when you believe, you say, okay, I trust that this thing is going to hold me. I trust that no matter how much I weigh, this thing is going to pull me. They're going to pull me out because I'm hanging on to this rope. What Jesus was saying is this. You know what? It's one thing to hear my word, but he was saying, you got to trust it. you got to grab the rope. you got to follow through. you got to not only hear it, but you've got to believe. Let me give you another example. Anytime you get on a plane, what you're doing is you're saying this. You're saying to the pilot, in one way or another, just by your attendance, just by sitting down, you're saying, I trust the pilot. I trust that he can or she can fly this plane well. I trust that I'm going to be okay, right? You're saying, I put my faith in that pilot. And what Jesus is saying in this passage is, is this. He's saying, you got to trust in me. He says, I I've prepared this amazing place for you. But he's saying, you know what? I I'm the rope. There's only one way to me. You're in a place, and he describes it in, earlier in the book of John. Man, there's... Is darkness and sin, and we all know the effects of sin and bondage and everything else. When Jesus says, hey, you're in a place where that's just the reality of life, but he says, hey, I prepared a place for you that's different. I've been preparing it. It's amazing, but he says there's one way to it. He says this through my son, Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The rescue plan to get out of the ravine is the rope, but think about this. The rescue plan to get away from sin and death is Jesus Christ. It's amazing news, isn't it? I want to ask you this morning, would you say this? I mean, we've been trekking through this book of John. Would you say, as you've heard about Jesus Christ, would you, would you say, not only do I know about the rope, but would you say you grabbed it? Would you say this morning that you've come to a place where you'd say, I believe. I believe. I, I trust. Two questions this morning. Do you know that Jesus is preparing a place for you? Are you confident of that? Does that do something inside of your heart if you know Christ? But then secondly, do you know the way to him? But beyond do you know it, have you, have you grabbed onto it? Jesus said, I am preparing a place for you. 
And I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you with me. He said, but here's the way. I am the way. He said, I am the truth and I am the life. I want to just ask you this morning, are you in a place where you'd say, you know what, I, I know about the rope, but I need to trust the rope. I need to grab the rope. And then for everyone else here, maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I got to be honest with you, God just wrecked me a couple times. One of them was last Sunday. I was sitting right over there. I just lost it in this worship service because I was thinking about my text for this week, and I knew I was talking about heaven. And I just thought to myself, who's, who's not going to be there? Not a fun thought, is it? But and God just wrecked me on that a couple times this week. I thought to myself, who's not going to be there? And then I thought, Lord, would you allow my life, just this little speck clear over there, would you allow my life, would you help me to be the kind of person that I make the rope as visible as I possibly can to anyone and everyone? Lord, would you take my one and only life and would you use it in a powerful way? And I want to close this morning. I just want to I just want us to, to pray and one, say, thank you, God, that you prepare a place. But I also want to say, if you've not grabbed the rope, um, if you grab it, it'll change your life. If you don't grab it, you, that decision also changes your life for all of eternity. And, um, and Jesus doesn't beat around the bush on that, and I don't, I don't think we should either. Um, so let's do this. Let's, let's go to the Lord and pray just a prayer of, of, of thankfulness um, for the fact that he provided Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you, Lord, this morning. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, so that we might know you. And, um, Lord, what a, what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is for us to be able to be a church where we're able to tell um, the good news of Jesus Christ and where we're able to be encouraged to live for you. And so, Lord, your followers of Christ this morning, we want to say thank you. And we want to look ahead to all of eternity, and we want to say, okay, Lord, Help us to not be troubled in this place because we know that you have overcome the world and you have created and you are creating a place for us and that's going to be incredible. And then if you're here today and you would say, you know what, I, I know about the rope. I've seen the rope. I've heard about the rope. I got drug here to hear about the rope again. I just want to ask you this morning, are you at that place where you'd grab it and you would say, I trust in it. I trust this for eternal life, and I know that I'm, I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior, and so I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to say this morning, we love you. God, you are gracious to us, and Lord, now as we worship you, we pray that you would be honored. We pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen.